The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Call it Meta's Mega Miss. Shares of Facebook tanking. What CEO Mark Zuckerberg has to say about the huge user miss and competition ahead. Meta's mauling also taking a big chunk out of U.S. stock futures. The Nasdaq set to open down more than 2%. It is not just Facebook. Investors pausing on Spotify as well. Twitter and Snap also down big. From Wall Street to D.C., investor attention also pinned on three key Federal Reserve nominations from President Biden, but one former Fed insider is expecting. And later, gauging Detroit's all-electric ambitions, why Tesla has more and more to worry about from the Motor City. It is Thursday, February 3rd. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Good Thursday. I'm Brian Sullivan. All right, let's get to it. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their day in what has been, until today, a pretty solid week for most stocks, particularly big tech, having a great week, as a matter of fact. Well, that's likely to change today. Now, right now, the Dow and the S&P are down just a bit, but once again, NASDAQ is getting all the attention this morning and not in the good attention kind of way. NASDAQ futures right now are down about 2%. That is a big move down. Now, the biggest concern for the NASDAQ and tech in general today is Facebook and its parent company, Meta. It is right now set to lose about $175 billion in market value this after a dismal fourth quarter report. That stock is down 20%. Right now, we're going to get more on Facebook all show long. And just like PayPal yesterday and Netflix the other week, we are seeing that butterfly effect, if you will, across the competition. Shares of Pinterest, Twitter, and Snap all sharply lower ahead of the open. Snap shares are down 15% right now, which also means watch the social ETF, the SOCL. Facebook, Snap, and Spotify are about 22%. Of that ETF. So that Facebook effect is going to take a lot of companies down with it. Now, outside of stocks, there's a continued focus on energy. Crude oil is actually slightly lower right now, but it is still above $87 a barrel. This after OPEC keeping its head down and production in place at their meeting yesterday. They're not increasing production despite higher prices. So crude here inching, inching, inching toward 90 bucks a barrel as global demand begins to boom. We'll get more on oil as well. But right now, let's find out what is happening on stocks around the world. Juliana Tattlebaum is in our London newsroom with the action and some of the early movers. Good morning, Juliana. 
Brian, good morning. Well, there's a lot of focus, a lot of talk about that meta earnings shock here in Europe. And in terms of sentiment across the European market, things have turned a little bit more sour in the last half an hour or so. We were seeing some green on the board earlier on. Uh, FTSE 100 was outperforming. But just in the last 20 minutes or so, we have crossed into negative territory. And that index now down about uh, 18 basis points or so. And as you can see, we've got red across the board as well after another strong session yesterday. So European investors in a bit of a retreat this morning. Now, one stock in focus in particular is Shell. The company posted a surge in fourth quarter net profit coming in at $6.4 billion on the back of rising oil and gas prices. The oil giant plans to hike its dividend by 4% this quarter and repurchase $8.5 billion worth of shares in the first half. That stock is trading higher and is providing some support for the UK market. Now, it's a big day for central bank action. The Bank of England and the European Central Bank are both set to hold their first rate decisions of the year today. That's against the backdrop of persistent inflation, spiraling energy prices, and supply chain bottlenecks. While the Bank of England is expected to hike rates back-to-back for the first time since 2004, the ECB is set to hold steady. This despite eurozone inflation rising to a record high of 5.1% in January, far above expectations. UK inflation, meanwhile, stands at a 30-year high. So a big day here in and somebody pulling the plug there on poor old Juliana Tatabom. Juliana, let us know that you're all right. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Let's now get back to our top story, and that is Meta Platforms, better known as Facebook. It is getting slammed in the pre-market. It is down about 20%. Let's find out what is going on. Bertha Coombs is here. Bertha. Yeah, big thumbs down from Meta, Brian. Good morning. Shares of the company, formerly known as Facebook, sinking more than 20% in the pre-market here, or just about that, after missing on three key metrics. First, earnings per share coming up short, $3.67 versus estimates of $3.84. Then, user numbers missing on both daily and monthly active metrics by 20 million and 30 million, respectively. And number three, outlook. The company says first quarter revenue would fall between 27 and 29 billion dollars. Expectations were for sales of just over 30 billion, according to Refinitiv. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg attributing the multi-level miss to a number of factors, including competition. People have a lot of choices for how they want to spend their time. And apps like TikTok are growing very quickly. And this is why our focus on reels is so important. So as a result of both competition and the shift to short-term, short-form video, as well as our focus on serving young adults over optimizing overall engagement, we're going to continue to see some pressure on impression growth in the near term. Pressure indeed. And with this being the company's first earnings report since its name changed from Facebook to Meta Platforms, it also, for the first time, broke out the numbers for the metaverse business. And apparently, building it isn't cheap. For full year 2020, a net loss of $10.19 billion on $2.27 billion in revenue. Similar stories for 2020 and 2019, just on a smaller scale. And Brian, as you mentioned, with this morning's move set to shave some uh, $18 billion rather dollars off Meta, or $180 billion rather off of Meta's market cap, seeing weakness across the entire media sector, we're going to see big losses there 
as well. I guess, yeah, right you know, now, Facebook is winning. Decline, <laughs> well, is, is TikTok winning or is Facebook just confusing people with this meta name change, the metaverse? It's an odd place. Maybe it'll make sense one day, but their decline right now, the value that's going to be wiped out, it's not Facebook's value, it's investor value. Remember, they own the stocks, is $175 billion, Bertha. I was just kind of comparing that. I put out a tweet last night. Better said, Right now, Facebook is set to wipe out an entire AT&T of market value. AT&T's market cap is $175 billion, one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, And remember, yeah, and there's a lot of of attention, as you noted, on these social stocks. Well, part of the reason I think that they're, they're sliding is that people might think that TikTok is also taking share from them. So it might not just be, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp that they might actually be all heading to TikTok. Yeah. They, they might. There's also maybe a mechanical function here, given that those stocks are all in the SOCL ETF and Facebook is 13% yeah. of that ETF. There might be some mechanical function of other stocks in the ETF being sold if people are looking to redeem. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff, I think is the technical term, Bertha, going on with Facebook this morning. All right, Bertha Coombs, thank you. Well, Facebook's story is a familiar one for the markets. This earnings season, which is about halfway done at this point, thankfully, according to Deutsche Bank, while the number of companies that have top expectations is above average, hey, who isn't above average? That figure is still lower than earlier in the recovery. More companies are simply reporting more headwinds eating into their bottom lines. Let's talk more about what this means and maybe get some good stock ideas and bring in Josh Wine. He is portfolio manager at Hennessy Funds. Josh, first, I've got to ask you, do you own Facebook? I do not. No, no, I've never owned it and, and maybe should have. But no, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and let's be clear. Facebook's still well above where it was, a, you know, a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago. Today's going to be tough, but the stock has done well. It's also having this ripple impact. Do you think the market is is overreacting to not only just Facebook, Josh, but good news? You know, Google booms. Everyone buys those stocks today. Facebook down. Everybody seems to be selling the stocks. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, without a doubt, I mean, I... I say I don't own Facebook and, and won't, and I don't say that proudly. I mean, it, it's an incredible company, and they've they've done so well for so long. I just think they're they are you know their their name change is is incredible to me because it seemed odd, and now we've realized that they are trying to tell people don't look what's in our left hand, look at what's in our right hand, and and you know we're going to pivot the the most used word of the last few years, and there are a lot of unanswered questions for a company that is you know quite successful. So yeah, I think that. You know, we'll see. It's it's hard to know what the metaverse looks like and who owns it. It yeah. might be video game makers. It might be content providers. I, I don't know. I don't think they know either. Well, it feels like from a PR perspective, they're certainly trying to say, look over here, because they were getting a lot of criticism right. around information around the election that was up on their platform. So what better way right. to change your name and make people think otherwise? Let's talk right. about something that's a little more interesting, and that is stocks that you love right now. The other day, Josh, our RBI was on car prices being out of control. You think Penske Automotive Group, run or started anyway by the great Roger Penske, is a good buy here? 
That's right. That's right. In our Hennessy Cornerstone Midcap 30 Fund, we're looking at companies like Penske. So uh, earnings growth, stock price momentum, and valuation. So Penske, new and used car retail in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Uh, you know, their exposure to the used car market was, you know, behind their kind of success in the last year or so. And I think as we look forward to the end of the year with hopefully some better numbers uh, out of semiconductor availability and the like, you know, we'll we'll see a, a, a leg higher. So I think that we've heard some encouraging news uh, about chip availability, which is at the heart of, of the issues that car makers have. And I think Penske is, you know, yeah. great cash flow generator and a great balance sheet. And we look for great things as things normalize. People always ask me, who's the most impressive business leader you've ever met or interviewed? And I say without hesitation, it is Roger Penske. I think he's founded four multi-billion dollar companies or something like that. You also like what well, they won't like this. I've called it the Dick Sporting Goods or the Cabela's in a way of the Midwest. Uh, they'd probably bristle at that. But you think shares of Academy Sports are a good value. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Also in our uh, Cornerstone Midcap 30 fund. And I think that you know, when we hear about all the, the names that are trading sharply lower this morning, there are a lot of expectations built in. And what's interesting about Penske, which we just spoke of, and also Academy Sports, you know, trading at six and seven times earnings. So not a lot baked into expectations here. Uh, you know, a couple hundred, you know, sporting goods and recreation retail uh, stores, uh, you know, in I think 16 states. You know, an incredible name that kind of lives in the shadows of Dick's, absolutely, and Cabela's and, and those types of names. But, you know, very strong private label business and, and very strong growth and, you know, something that, you know, is very tangible and, you know, not a lot has to go right for this for a name like this to work yeah. out for investors. There's going to be a lot of talk today about the metaverse. I like, Josh, you're talking about the real world, buying a car, right. going to the sporting goods store, going out with your family outside. Tangible stocks. Josh Wine, thank you very much. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. All right. All right. You're very welcome. When we come back, because we've got a lot more to do, much more on what is shaping up to be Facebook investors' terrible, no good, very bad day, but why one firm is still sticking with the stock. We'll hear the other side. Plus, with Ford and GM ramping up their EV ambitions, should Tesla investors be nervous or is there room for everyone? And later on, triple testimony on Capitol Hill. President Biden looks to reshape the Fed. A very busy hour still to come. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. 
Canva.com, designed for work. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning. The Motor City is going plug-in. Detroit is ramping up electric vehicle production big time, with Ford and GM both saying they're seeing strong demand for electric cars and trucks. Speaking with CNBC yesterday, GM CEO Mary Barra discussing the company's EV pivot, saying the automaker will be pulling forward investment in the sector after seeing such strong demand. When you look at the strength of our EV products, we already have 59,000 reservations for the Hummer uh, truck and SUV. We have over 110,000 reservations from both retail and fleet customers for the Silverado E. We're saying between 22 and 23, we plan on uh, building uh, 400,000 EVs. So a significant ramp and then it just it's a steeper ramp from there. All right, let's talk more about all this with Tim Higgins, reporter at The Wall Street Journal and a CNBC contributor. Tim, great to have you on. I mean, listen, some big ambitions, big goals, big numbers around GM and Ford. What's your take on this? Is this a permanent shift or is this going to be a fast growing but still smaller part of these companies' business, at least for now? Well, at least for now, uh, a small compared to the overall market making the money on, on the big trucks, the pickups, but clearly sending a, mar- a message to the market that growth is going to be fast and that they are all in when it comes to electrification of the automobile, because that's where they're re- being rewarded by the investor community, right? You look at Wall Street and the way that they rewarded Tesla, and you see uh, you know, the way that these, uh, the Wall Street has looked at uh, these traditional automakers for the last few years. It's not until... Uh, the likes of Mary Barra uh, and Ford have started talking really aggressively about their plans that they start to see uh, that reward in the last uh, few months, in particular Ford. So the story is all electrification. That's the future. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a lot of big numbers around reservations, OK, and for these electric vehicles. And but let's I want to be clear, because. The, the deposits on many of these cars, I think for a Rivian is a thousand bucks for some of these electric GMC cars. It's a hundred dollars and I believe it's fully refundable. So if you're curious, you can throw a hundred bucks down. You're basically in it for nothing and you can always get that money back. I think won't the tell be Tim to see how many of these early orders actually convert because it's real easy to put the deposit down on something that's cool and new. We got to see how many of these buyers actually convert. Do we not? Oh, absolutely. And how many of these vehicles uh, these companies can actually produce in the year? Uh, can they show that they can uh, get the, the microchips that they need to build the vehicles, the batteries that they need uh, to ramp up? Um, that's going to be critical. As Ford reports uh, its results, I think a lot of investors are going to want to continue to look for signs that they are on track. Uh, for that electric F-150 that's coming this spring that is probably one of the most important uh, product rollouts that the company has done in in recent memory um, as they show that they can do this, uh, right? One of the challenges that traditional automakers have is proving that they can electrify the vehicle, make a vehicle that uh, consumers want to buy, right? Tesla has demonstrated that customers will buy an electric vehicle if it's cool and it's sexy and it can perform. Uh, when you look at uh, traditional automakers, you yeah. particular GM, they've struggled with that. But let's be clear, people, and you and I have talked about electric cars. They are fast. They are fun. They have very few moving parts. They are cheap to maintain, minus the tires. But here's the thing. To me, 
where this market is really going to take off or it's not. It's going to win or die on the parking lot. What I mean by that is somebody gets an electric lightning or a Silverado, his buddies or her buddies say, what do you think of the truck? And they're either going to sing its praises and say it's the greatest thing ever and others are going to buy it or they're going to say, well, the range isn't as good as I thought or the battery really goes dead quickly when it's freezing cold. The real sales job on these EVs, Tim, in my opinion, and disagree, please, if you want, is going to be when the first customers get them and start telling their friends about how they run. Because this is a new technology for most people. Completely different way to drive and operate a car. Absolutely correct. Uh, then that's, that's been proven out with uh, Tesla over the years. That word of mouth, that viral marketing has been crucial uh, to sales, uh, to, to building that customer loyalty. Uh, because this is something new, as you, as you point out, right? If you can get somebody behind the wheel of these vehicles and demonstrate that it's cool to drive and that it performs, uh, it, it's, it helps that sale. And the thing that GM and Ford have to show is that uh, once you get in this vehicle, it's worth having. It's better than or at least equal to having a gas-powered vehicle. And quickly, how much of this is going to come down to battery range? They say 300. You and I have driven electric cars. You know, at 230, you start to get nervous. Then if it's cold, it's 200. Pretty soon you're charging more than you expected. How much is battery life going to ultimately matter? It's going to be maybe the only thing that matters in a lot of these situations. It's going to be huge in the next few years, even though the average person maybe does 40 miles on their daily commute. Uh, typically, uh, they don't need yeah. all that range, but it's psychological. They want to know when they get in there that they could go someplace if they want. Yeah, to. I, I hate that argument. Well, the average driver only goes 30. It's because guess what? Twice a year you go a thousand miles. Your car has to be useful 12 months of the year. It can't just be, well, I can go to the store, but I can't go to grandma's. Tim Higgins, The Wall Street Journal. Great discussion. Look forward to more of them. Tim, thank you very much. Thank you. Pickup truck owners tend to take long distances and tow things. Okay, still on deck. This morning's big money movers, including more on how Facebook may be ready to take down some other big names like Spotify. Stick around. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. All right, welcome back. Time now for some of your big money movers. Three key stock stories happening right now. First up is Spotify. That stock dropping after the company's quarterly numbers showed a slowdown in subscriber growth. This company saying premium subs grew 16% year over year in the fourth quarter. That's a pretty good number. 
but it was a touchdown from 19% in the third quarter. Spotify, of course, right now also dealing with a few musicians who are unhappy with podcaster Joe Rogan's views and guests on COVID. And that is something big enough that CEO Daniel Eck mentioned on last night's call. I think the important part here is that we don't change our, our policies uh, based on one creator, nor do we change it based on any media cycle or calls from anyone else. And while Joe has a massive audience, he's actually the number one podcast in more than 90 markets, he also has to abide by those policies. And you're going to hear much more on this topic from Eck when he speaks exclusively with us, 10 a.m. Eastern today. That's going to be a big one. You're going to hear a lot about this today. But remember, Spotify's fourth quarter ended before the Rogan controversy bubbled up, and the stock is up 10% coming into this morning. So try to separate the two. It's also in the social ETF, so it might have some artificial selling because of Facebook today. All right, next up is Qualcomm. That stock down 3% right now, even though it beat estimates. Revenue for the chip business rising 35%. Again, a big number, but that growth was slowed compared to the same quarter last year. Qualcomm CEO saying the company is still seeing higher demand than it can supply. Shares of other chip makers following QCOM lower in the pre-market, by the way. We're seeing some red on the screen there. And third, T-Mobile. That stock going up today on big earnings. The guidance was even stronger. T-Mobile saying it expects to see 5.5 million new customer ads this year, which would match 2021's total. All right, still ahead here on WEX. More troubles mounting for Tesla as a growing number of customers complain about phantom braking with their vehicles. And by the way, if you haven't already, speaking of podcasts and Spotify, check out the Worldwide Exchange podcast every day. You miss the show or you're getting in your EV, you're driving to grandma's, whatever it is. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on other platforms, and we're back right after this. Tech under pressure once again. Is all the Google goodwill gone? NASDAQ futures down big. The market getting face booked. Shares of Meta down 20%, wiping out nearly $200 billion in investor value. And it's the airlines versus the White House over COVID testing and what they are begging Biden not to do. It is Thursday, February 3rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for being with us here nice and early. It is right around 5.30 on the East Coast, so let's get a mid-show market check. Stock futures, they're kind of a tale of two markets, if you will. We are seeing futures down on all the major averages, so I can say with honesty that all the major averages' futures are down, but that's sort of misleading. Dow futures down 107, which is like one-tenth of a percent. The big story, once again is really going to be technology. NASDAQ futures, they're down more on a number basis. They are down more than 1% on a percentage basis. And all of tech is likely to be hit by Facebook's big fall from grace. Of course, that stock, now known as Meta for some reason, is down about 20%. Now, investors crushing the stock because their guidance was not even close to what most people wanted to hear. Put it this way, the loss of value on Facebook is stunning. For every dollar that stock falls, it loses about $2.78 billion in market value. So right now, its loss is equal to about $175 to $180 billion. Put more plainly, because it's early, 
Facebook, right now, unless things change, is set to lose an entire AT&T or Morgan Stanley worth of market cap. Those entire companies are worth the same amount as Facebook is set to lose today. Now, Facebook is just under 13% of the social ETF, SOCL. So other stocks in that ETF, names like Spotify, Snap, and Twitter, they may see some selling pressure today because they track how that ETF moves. It's also been a rough ride for the major cryptos lately. That continues. Bitcoin and Ether, they're both down big this year. And we are seeing more red across the screen today. By the way, speaking of crypto, in your RBI coming up in a bit, your exclusive morning consult survey on where people think the price of Bitcoin is going. Here's a little hint. It varies a lot depending on whether you already own Bitcoin or you don't. That's coming up in your RBI toward the end of the hour. In the meantime, let us move on and maybe stick with crypto a bit because new details are emerging around another major hack involving the digital asset. Bertha Coombs is back. Bertha, what's going on now with hackers? Oh, Brian, more than $320 million worth of crypto has apparently been stolen in this latest breach. Developers representing Wormhole, that's one of the most popular bridges linking the Ethereum and Solana blockchains, they confirmed the potential exploit on Twitter. Preliminary analysis from blockchain cybersecurity firm Certic shows that the attacker exploited a vulnerability on the Solana side of the wormhole bridge to carry out the hack. Meantime, U.S. safety regulators are reviewing consumer complaints about Tesla's activating brakes on their own for no apparent reason. That, according to the Washington Post, the number of complaints received by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration on this matter has risen to 107 in the past three months. That compares to just 34 in the prior 22 months. The agency says it will take appropriate action on the matter if need, if need be. Now, back in May, Elon Musk had said that dropping a radar sensor from its partially automated driving system would actually address that so-called phantom braking issue. And airlines and other travel industry groups have asked the Biden administration to drop COVID test requirements for vaccinated passengers coming into the U.S. from abroad. In a letter seen by CNBC, the lobbying group representing Delta, American, United and Southwest argued that testing requirements for the group of travelers is too burdensome and deters travel. Testing requirements were first ordered by the Trump administration days before President Biden took office, with his administration tightening those rules in December. Brian, that move marks a bid by the airlines to boost the sluggish recovery in international travel. And I can tell you, I did travel internationally over the holidays, and it was a little bit of a, you know, maneuver to try to get a test because it was just so hard to schedule one. First to leave, because the place I was going wanted one. And then to come back, it was fine. But, but you know, you had to sort of have that backup place to stay in case you yeah. test negative. That, that's it. When I went to the UK in November, I wasn't worried about traveling. I was worried about having to quarantine because I rolled a positive test and I'm stuck in some hotel for two weeks. Come right. home, my family's are going to be moved out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little <laughs> tricky and a little ner- it's a little nerve wracking. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. I think I tested five times in seven days. All right. 
Back now to this morning's top story and one stock that everybody's going to be talking about today. I think you know who this is, folks. It's Facebook, now known as Meta Platforms. Shares are down right now, just about 20% in the pre-market. They had disappointing earnings. They issued weak first quarter guidance. They kind of admitted that user growth, while still growing, by the way, is slowing down. Facebook's fall taking the rest of the social sector with it today as well. Names like Spotify, Twitter, Pinterest, Snap, they're probably all going to drop because they're in the social ETF of which Facebook is the biggest member. Jared Weisfeld is Jeffrey's Managing Director and U.S. Technology Sector Specialist, and he joins us now. Uh, Jared, I feel a little bit like um, this might be Facebook's new Coke moment. Branding shift, no one kind of, or not everybody kind of really understands what's going on. Do you think Facebook might re-pivot sort of back to what got them here, or are they just going to go down the, the meta road? No, uh, good morning, Ryan. Uh, Zuckerberg is committed to the metaverse, and this is the future of the company, and this is the focus for the next 10 plus years, right? He's got a new segment called Facebook Reality Labs. He's investing billions of money, uh, of dollars over the next 10 plus years to go ahead and, and really commit to the infrastructure of the metaverse. So, um, you know, while, uh, while, while the name has changed from Facebook, like we all know, to, to Meta, uh, don't don't fool yourself. That is absolutely the commitment to the company. But at the same time, let's put things in perspective, right? Yeah. 97% of the business is advertising, right? And for many reasons, which we can certainly talk about, uh, this was a significantly yep. worse than expected quarter. And we're losing $200 billion of market cap this morning. I, I know that the Meta is getting all the attention. Heck, I'm doing it. I just did it, Jaron. So I'm, I'm as much to blame as anybody. But reading stuff last night from people way smarter than me and looking at Alphabet or Google's results, one has to wonder if that switch that Apple made, right? Whenever you download an app now, everybody knows you get a prompt. Do not track across other apps. One wonders if Apple's advertising mechanical change behind the scenes brought people off of Facebook and on to Alphabet, because the two companies appear to be going in very different directions. Does that have anything to do with what's going on? Absolutely. If you were to just take a step back and look at the primary reason for what just happened last night, it's effectively a triple whammy, the first of which is absolutely the Apple privacy changes known as IDFA. So the ability for Facebook to target and measure is becoming increasingly difficult, and therefore advertisers are less reluctant to advertise on the platform because there's a lower ROI, there's a lower return on investment. So that is absolutely having an impact. Sheryl Sandberg talked about that now being a multi-year journey which certainly recalibrated expectations on when Apple, uh, on when Facebook is going to be able to combat these yeah. changes. But it's not just that, Brian, right? They talked about, you know, if you remember a while ago, they did this transition to stories where they monetize less. That's now happening with reels as the new format starts taking hold. And then most importantly, within 30 seconds of the conference call starting last night, Zuckerberg talked about TikTok yep. competition really impacting the business. So it's really a triple whammy of, of all of those three things that impacted results last night. Any chance Zuckerberg could be pushed out? I mean, if all these moonshots completely bomb. Any chance or does the voting shares he controls too much? No one could ever move him. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's a great question. It, it's his company. And, you know, they've 
they've gone through these challenges before, right? You look at the transitions that have happened over the years. First, you went from desktop to mobile. Then you went from feed to stories. Now we're going from stories to reels. This is not anything that's new to Facebook in terms of the challenges that they're going through. And, and Zuckerberg has successfully pivoted on every one of those transitions. And it's his company from a voting standpoint. So uh, I certainly don't see that as a base case outcome. Yep. All right, quickly switching gears to Amazon. Uh, what's your take on Amazon stock right now, Jared? Amazon setup is is particularly interesting. You sort of, you know, clearly expectations going into tonight are uh, are, are significantly lowered uh, after Facebook is uh, putting pressure on the broader market. But if you look at all of the e-commerce data points that have been out there over the last couple of weeks, you know, Visa's car, Visa's data was certainly significantly better in terms of card not present, which is a proxy for e-commerce. Look at Google two nights ago, similar to what you were just talking about, right? They posted 36% growth in search year on year with retail in terms of e-commerce being a significant driver. So, you know, you can certainly see uh, Amazon take a very different direction relative to what Facebook just posted last night. Jared Weisfeld of Jeffries. Jared, we really appreciate your views. Thank you very much. Good stuff on Facebook slash Meta. Jared, thank you. We'll see you soon. We'll be right back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. Well, happening also today, it's not just Facebook. The Senate Banking Committee is holding confirmation hearings for three of President Biden's nominees to the Federal Reserve. Sarah Bloom Raskin is the president's pick to be the Fed's top banking regulator. She is facing some Republican opposition. No surprise there. Biden also top tapping economists Lisa Cook and Philip Jefferson to round out his proposed ads to the Board of Governors. Joining us now is Chris Campbell, chief strategist at Kroll, also former assistant Treasury secretary for financial institutions in the Trump administration. So, Chris, we appreciate your views. You are a former and current, really still D.C. insider. I think the beef with Sarah Bloom Raskin, who, by the way, former CBC contributor, a uh, very nice person, always gracious to come on the show. Her husband is a sitting congressman from the 8th Congressional District of Maryland. And I think that is some of the concern that maybe it's simply a little too close for comfort. How do you see that playing out? Again, uh, first of all, good morning, Brian. Um, the, uh, there's no question that there's a, there's a, a Chinese wall between uh, fiscal policy and monetary policy in the United States. And, and fiscal policy is where Congress and, and the administration have to, have to work. Uh, and monetary policy is where the Fed works. And there really can be, they can talk, but they just can't affect each other's, uh, these, uh, each other's actions. Because right now, everyone knows the Fed's going to be take, is going to be called upon and make some very, very politically unpopular moves in this year, raising interest rates or constricting my supply or however, whatever they're going to do to get rid of, uh, of inflation is going to be a, is deeply impactful in politics. And so the challenge is that the Fed, Federal Reserve is going to have to do some things that really most members of Congress are not going to want them to do. And uh, Sarah, having uh, you know, if confirmed in, in that in that job, um, she's going to you know she's going to have to do some very difficult things that may be at odds with what what her what maybe what her husband wants. Ultimately, do you see her and the other two being confirmed? Do do all three get through, Chris? I do. I think so. Look, uh, Democrats control uh, the, the Senate and, uh, you know, these are the Democratic uh, president's pegs. And so ultimately, I think they will likely be uh, be. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if, if that 
most all four of them, including uh, uh, Chairman Powell, uh, get some uh, Republican support. Uh, you know, like, it, like it's a tall order. There's no question about it. And again, the, again, there is no question that there's going to be some very unpopular moves being made by the Fed Reserve uh, in an election year. And so, um, you know, I think the, getting anyone through right now is difficult, but uh, getting people at the Fed is going to even be more difficult. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think again, the likely the likely get confirmed. Well, one of your roles, Chris, is to sort of bridge together the the world of politics and markets. And the Federal Reserve, arguably not just interest rates, but its massive balance sheet unwind, is nearing one of the more delicate periods of its entire existence. If they screw this up, there is a lot at risk for the economy and for the financial markets. So your clients, right, the ones that you consult with, are they growing more nervous? Is there kind of just Fed nerves around how they're viewing their investments right now, maybe getting a little more risk averse. Yeah, there's no question. We see a risk aversion across the board. People are moving to a cash position. Um, there is uh, family offices and, and large funds and, uh, and individuals. Uh, there's no, again, there's, there is certainly a reticence right now um, what's going to happen at, at, the, at the Federal Reserve. There's also some geopolitical issues right now, obviously Russia and China and others that are, that are really uh, on, the, on the horizon that could really be destabilizing the economy. But whatever the Federal Reserve does, Brian, you know well, whatever they do, it's going to make this year a very lumpy and bumpy year. Um, and they're going to be called upon to do some yep. very unpopular things. So it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a wild ride. The most important time in the Federal Reserve's maybe history since the financial crisis. And you got some new folks going on. It is going to be a wild time. Chris Campbell of Kroll. Thank you very much, Chris. Good to see you. Take care. All right. On deck. Where is the price of Bitcoin going? Well, your morning RBI is the forecast and they are all over the map. We're leaving you, though, with the markets and a Nasdaq that is down 300 points in the pre-market, more than 2%. Hold on to your hats, grab a coffee. We're back right after this. Time now for your morning RBI. And today, let's talk Bitcoin because it's been a bit of a rough ride for the crypto and other cryptos lately. Bitcoin has lost roughly 20% of its value this year and is about $32,000 off its record high set just three months ago. That is the very definition of volatility. But that's in the past. You probably care about where the price is going. Well, it depends a lot on who you ask. Morning Consult polled a few thousand folks recently about Bitcoin, and here's what they found. For Bitcoin owners, they are, probably not surprisingly, bullish. They have a median price forecast for Bitcoin of $55,200 in six months. That would be a gorgeous 50% pop from here. People who own more Bitcoin are even more bullish with a six-month target of $62,000. Again, makes sense. But for those who aren't planning to buy Bitcoin or just the majority of those surveyed by Morning Consult, they are growling like the bears they apparently are. Those unlikely to buy Bitcoin anytime soon see it going back below $20,000. Again, makes sense. If you think something is going to fall in price, you either don't buy it or you wait to buy it. But what is really random but interesting about this is the chasm between the two groups. Probably similar folks with similar educations looking at a similar commodity asset like Bitcoin. With a $43,000 gap in how much they say it's worth in just the next 180 days. But that's kind of what makes a market. 
But the bulls and bears, not even close on Bitcoin. Random and hopefully interesting. All right, turning now to the broader market. Stock futures protect down big. NASDAQ futures off 300 points right now or a full 2%. February shaping up maybe to be a repeat of the losses that we saw last month. Long way to go. Had a good start to the week. According to Bespoke, February historically starts off on a good note and then sees weaker returns in the second half of the month. If there was a big decline in January, then February's performance tends to be weak as well. Since 1985 and the five other times when the S&P was down 5% in January, February was also down four out of those five times. Let's bring in Kevin Simpson, CIO of Capital Wealth Planning and author of a book as well, Walk Toward Wealth. Kevin, welcome. Those are historical nuggets. We love them. They're they're good for television. Uh, Do they matter or mean anything to you? I don't know. I miss 2021, don't you, Brian? Seemed like everything was going. In some ways, yes. In other ways, hell no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, you know, here's what we're learning this week when we're seeing fundamentals through earnings season. Earnings matter, and when we're looking at companies, if you have good earnings, you're going to be rewarded. Microsoft, Alphabet, Apple. If you come in weak and you don't show strong, you're going to be slammed. PayPal, Meta, Netflix. And I think it's a good thing to really refocus on fundamentals, good old fashioned earnings, even Alphabet showing us a stock split. You know, who doesn't love that? So I'm, I'm focusing so much on dividends this year. If we're not seeing 20 percent skyrocketing returns and we're seeing single digit returns, God forbid, either up or down, a two or three percent dividend can have an incredibly impactful um, weighting in your overall total return. And there are some tech companies that not only have a dividend, but are increasing their dividends, a a name like an Intel. I mean, call that maybe an old-fashioned, boring tech stock, but tech nonetheless, and they're boosting their yield. It's all about dividend growth, and that's something we don't talk about enough. It's one thing to get a dividend, but the raise that you get in dividend growth is so compelling. You mentioned Intel. Cisco is another old-school tech name, 10% dividend growth. There are so many companies out of the gate that have had dividend increases this year. It's powerful. I took a random sampling and I looked at AbbVie, Aflac, Chevron, Intel, MasterCard, Norfolk Southern, UPS, even this morning with Shell. They're so compelling when you're looking at companies that are increasing earnings and growing their dividends at the same time. Very, very impactful, that compounding effect, Brian. Is that going to be kind of a year, do you think, that it is? I know tech has made everybody all the money. The QQQs have doubled in, I think, just the last you know four to five years. But should we be thinking more about just getting paid, that return of capital instead of return on capital? That's the foundation of our whole firm is trying to get paid while we wait for better times. You can still see companies increase their values. Increasing earnings will bring higher stock prices. But it's setting expectations. So I... I wanted to talk to you today about McDonald's. McDonald's is a stock that isn't a fang name. It's not something we talk about every day. But I analyzed the dividend over the past five years. Five years ago, at the end of 2016, McDonald's was trading at $121 a share. At the end of Mm -hmm. December, it had increased to $268. That's 120% return just on McDonald's. A lot of money. In Big Macs, Kevin. They're basically a landlord, by the way. They collect rent more than they sell burgers. Kevin Simpson, 
Capital Wealth, we appreciate it, Kevin. Some good advice there and some names to watch. Have a great day, Kevin. Thank you very much. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I wish I was leaving you with a better market. NASDAQ futures down 2% or 300 points. It is the Facebook effect, and it's big. Have a great day. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.